continue to pray that God will continue to work in this town. Here in 2 Corinthians, we left off last week, verse number 16, as we were looking, I told you last week, in this particular portion of the letter, that Paul is dealing with the law, he's dealing with the Lord, and he's dealing with the lost. Now, last week we spent some time looking at the law. Tonight I want to pick up here in verse number 17, right where we kind of finished up. Uh, it's a good time to remind you again, right here, just because of these two verses, it's a good time to remind you again that Paul wrote an epistle to the church at Corinthians. Paul did not write a book in the Bible. Paul did not write 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Paul wrote a letter. And it's important when you look at it, the, the translators are the ones that broke it into chapters and letters to make it easier for us to study and to give references. And thank God that the Lord had them do it that way. But as we read the letter, you'll see what I'm talking about. He didn't put it up. It's, it's simply a continuing thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 17, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, handling uh, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost. Father, I pray you just intervene here in this room in the next few minutes. God, I pray you take your word, break it down, teach us something. Lord, I pray you do what only you can do. May your sweet Holy Spirit divide this message into as many people as are present. God, I pray you'd speak to each soul in this place. I pray you'd touch each family. God, I pray you'd help each one of us to learn something about you. That when we walk out of this door, we'd be a better servant for you than what we were when we came in. God, I pray you'd increase our light that is within us, God. I pray you'd help us to walk out charged and filled, God, ready to go out and be a light into this dark world. We love you, we praise you, and we ask these things in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. So Paul's discussion here, as you know, we've been in the weeks, he's having this discussion about the law, and he's talking with the legalists. He's talking with those who are pushing the law, and he's trying to prove to them, look, you, you cannot continue to hold that position of the law. You cannot continue to enforce the rigidness of the law in this dispensation period of grace, in this new age that we're in. You remember, they're just on the hills of Jesus Christ. So you got some of the old Pharisees that are still holding on. Now, as he's in this discussion of the law, it's almost natural that it's going to lead him to a discussion of the Lord. You can't have one without the other. So verse 17, he said, the Lord is that spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So here in our, our passage this evening, Paul is going to show us how the Spirit of the Lord changes us. Anybody thankful that the Spirit of the Lord changes us? But the Spirit of the Lord also challenges us. If we have time, we'll get to that this evening. But first, he, he changes us by giving us a new liberty in Christ. I'm very thankful for the liberty that I've been given in Christ that I'm not bound in the old traditions, bound by the law. Now, for the most part in the New Testament, it's telling us the division, or, or not the division, but the difference, how the Lord and the Spirit um, is two persons, as they are, as part of the Trinity. But, but they're one in purpose. The Spirit and the Lord are, are one in togetherness. It's just like when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, John chapter 10, he told me, he said, I and my Father are one. 
and they took up stones to kill him. They were infuriated by such a statement. They wanted to kill him, and he said, Many good works of my father have I done. Of which of these things, of which of these good works do you stone me for? And they went on, so it's not the good works, but it's because of the blasphemy that you did. But all he's simply saying is we are one. First John chapter 5, the Bible says in verse number 7, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. So although the Lord and the Spirit are different persons within the Trinity, they are one in essence. It is the Spirit of the Lord that gives us life, which is a contrast to the Spirit of the law, which Paul told us last week leads to death. The essence of legalism is bondage. The essence of legalism is death and destruction. It sets rules for people to keep. It makes rules that nobody can. It has all these burdening rituals and all these things that you must keep. It talks about exactly how you have to do things, things that you can't do and things that you must do, places that you can't go and places that you must go. And it sets up all these things. The Pharisees were expert legalists. You take something as simple as the Sabbath day. They surrounded the Sabbath day with events of things that people couldn't possibly keep. In the beginning, God set it up as a day of rest. God put it there as, as a day for man's body to rest. He said, be the seventh day and to take it to rest. But now they've taken it and they've wrapped it in this maze of rules and they've turned it into something that is so strict and so rigid and so ridiculous that no man could keep it. If you remember... Um, John chapter 5, Jesus, the Bible says that there was a feast, and Jesus was coming into Jerusalem for the feast. And as he come into Jerusalem, it says that over by the sheep market, there was this pool in the Hebrew tongue called Bethesda. And it says that as he come into this pool, there was five porches on the pool. Y'all know the story, right? And, and he came in, and, and he had all manner of sick and impotent folk lying all over the place. And he walked up to this man that had been impotent, impotent in his feet. He'd been crippled. For 38 years, this man's been laying there crippled. For 38 years, he's never walked. He's never so much as stood up. For 38 years, and Jesus walked over and said, would you be made whole? What kind of question is that? Would you like to be made whole? Not realizing who he's talking to. He said, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm paraphrasing. I know I ain't in the King James right here. Y'all bear with me. Yeah, I would love to. But so you don't understand. I don't have anybody to put me in a pool. See, see, when the angel stirred the water, first one in the pool was that that person was healed. He said, I don't have any man to put me in. Jesus simply said, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. He rose. He took up his bed. I got a feeling he did more than walk. I think he might have jumped a little bit. He might have danced a little bit. Might have had a little Pentecostal fit, I don't know. But I got a feeling there was a little bit more than old humdrum walk. I would think he had a little bump in his step. But he did what he was supposed to do. He did what Jesus did. He, he got up, he took his bed, and he walked. The Bible says that the Pharisees saw him carrying his bed, and they said, this is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. This man has been lying on the ground, in the dirt, crippled for 38 stinking years. And Jesus just healed him. And all they could see was a man carrying his bed. 
God, help us to not be blinded by religion. Help us to not be blinded by the law. Jesus is liberty. Jesus has given us liberty where the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Lord sets us free from legalism because the law has been replaced by love. Somebody go ahead and say amen. I know it's Wednesday night. Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, Paul gives us a, a story of the transformation period where he came from legalism over to liberty. And last week we looked at chapter 8, but really the genuine part, the meat of the part, of the beauty of the story there is in chapter 7. I want to look a little bit at it tonight. Romans chapter 7, verse 1 says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth? 